The Sons of Saturday podcast is brought to you by our friends at Main Street Pharmacy. Located right on Main Street in Blacksburg, Virginia, Main Street Pharmacy is proudly owned by a Hokie family and has been a partner of this podcast since 2020. MSP offers free delivery, curbside pickup, and vaccinations as well. If you are a student or resident in the Blacksburg area, you can always trust that at Main Street Pharmacy, you are not just a number, you are a neighbor. everybody it is a beautiful glorious day here in virginia it is wednesday april 19th around one o'clock and i'm here with tucker home run holloway tucker had a 70 had a 77 yard day in the spring game including maybe the play of the day maybe maybe 39 yard catch from pop watson um tucker second time on the show second time getting through spring ball how you doing my friend good to see you i'm doing great man it's great to be here um great to be on the podcast again uh, yeah, second time around spring ball, just finishing up. So it's a good feeling, you know. Morale is high for sure. So we were chatting about this a little bit before we hit record. I want to ask you, how did it feel to go through spring ball as a sophomore? Not a lot of sophomores get to go through spring ball for the second time, but this was your second time going through spring mm-hmm. ball. What kind of did you know going into it? What were some of the things that you were focusing on improving um and how did getting that first year of spring ball under your belt help you out yeah for sure um going into spring ball like and me and coach Pry, me and mine's wide receiver coach like we we talked about this in the fall when i decided not to redshirt and play my games um the last few games but like i knew that my goal like my preparation right now is is all focused towards how am i going to be the most prepared to play in september um and and, you know when we start playing in the season um and so for me like spring ball wasn't about like proving to people that i'm good or proving like certain things spring ball for me was about like getting better in a lot of different areas that i knew i needed to get better in and then also um i would say the thing that i loved about spring ball uh that i wasn't really expecting was it exposed a lot of new areas that like now I know I, I got to get better in this area and I, you know, I need to train harder in this area, which is going to be great because off season now, like pretty much, you know, we got time in the summer. We're going to get um, all types of good time and going with the cues and, and throwing and stuff like that. So um, I don't know, you know, spring, it was great. And, and this being my second time around, like I already had a feel for what the spring was going to look like. Um, and the spring is really unique. Just, you know, it's not like camp. We still have classes and we still have obligations outside of football. Um, but it was cool just being able to manage it and knowing what I was getting myself into going into it. Uh, but also knowing like what the coaching staff was expecting out of me and, and knowing what, what I had to do to get better. Um, it was, it was just, uh, it was great. It was a really good spring. I got out of spring what I wanted to get out of it. And it was just, uh, getting better and focusing on my game and areas I need to improve. So. So talking about some of those new faces, I want to focus in on the receiver room. Uh, yeah. Ali Jennings, Daquan Felton, Jalen Lane, how have they adjusted to the team? And can you tell me one thing special or that stands out about each one of those new receivers? Yeah, for sure. So uh, let's start with what you said first, Ali. Um, and I would say just like in general, all three of those guys, when they came in, 
Uh, you don't, you never know. Like you don't know with transfers, like what they're going to be like, how they're going to mesh with the rest of the group. Um, and there's a lot of questions that come with that. Uh, when you see guys like that commit, like, are they going to be too big headed for everybody else? Are they going to fit in? Are they going to push the group? Are they going to want, um, and, and have the same type of cultural, uh, mentality that we want in the group. Um, and I would say just to start off, like the, the, the group that we brought in has been great. Um, and I've, you know, I've, I've talked to the coaches about this and I've talked to the media just in general saying like the, those three guys have pushed our group and are going to make our group um, a, a really good uh, competitive. I, I think we can be one of the best receiver rooms in the ACC. Um, and so it was really cool to see. But yeah, so Ali Jennings, a uh, great player, obviously a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, high expectations for him. And we know that he can be a, a great asset to the team. Um, he came in and, uh, I would say just to go along with what I said already, like push our group, but also didn't just push them as far as, uh, being on the field and like athletically and as far as, um, being better receiver group competing on the field, but also just as a, as a receiver room, um, did a great job of, of being a verbal leader, uh, early on and just, um, helping the group come together and, and push for that same, you know, common goal, which is just to get better throughout spring. Uh, so great guy, great athlete, love having him in the room. He's already, uh, already helped us a lot and is going to help us a lot. Um, and then Daquan Felton, great guy, uh, very verbal leader, love, like love the way that he, uh, that he, uh, was verbal from the beginning. You know, a lot of guys are quiet at first and then they kind of get to where they're more verbal, but pretty much from the beginning, he got in and he was like, um, you know, it's time to worry. Let's go. Very verbal in the way that he leads. Um, but then the way that he competes and, and plays uh, just follows that. So that's what you like to see um, from, you know, an older dude, a more mature guy who's played a lot of football. Um, and so, yeah, great guy. Love having him in the room. Just like Ali makes the room uh, a lot more competitive and a lot better uh, on the field and off the field. And then uh, Jalen Lane, uh, definitely a great addition, uh, is, uh, and the same as the first two. Uh, really good player, uh, very good player on the field, uh, great guy off the field, easy to get along with. Um, he pushes, pushes our room um, to be better. He, you know, he's, he's playing in the slot, and he's made, uh, a, lot of, he made a, lot of, a lot of plays throughout the spring. So it's cool to see, uh, you know, another guy. Um, from the portal come in and, and have immediate impact uh, on the field and and in the wide receiver room off the field. So uh, all three of those guys have been great. And the same thing uh, with the, the freshmen, the freshmen that have come in, like everyone that's in the room. Uh, and I've said this to the coaches, our room this year is closer um, than it was last year at this point. And I love that. Like I love the, the way that everybody – uh, is pushing for that common goal and the way that we've accepted each other and um, but in a way that we're going to hold each other accountable to make sure that we're getting better as a group and, and individually so yeah opportunity to brag on one of your boys on the team Stephen Gosnell one most improved player can you talk yeah. a little bit about the spring that he had and the yeah. strides that he's made and uh, maybe a little I told you so because the last time you were on here you I told you man you I told you you did last time man last time we were on the, I was on the podcast I said y'all gotta watch out for Stephen Gosnell um, and and I was mainly talking about this season but obviously uh, I think everyone got to see that in the spring 
uh, whether that was in practice or in the spring game. Um, he got a lot better physically and um, just in the way he approached the game. His, his body and his physique changed a lot. He slimmed down. Uh, he worked on his speed a lot, got a lot faster. Um, and you could see like the hard work uh, pay off that, that he uh, that he put in from when the season ended to when we came back um, and started winter training. Uh, dude, that's one of the the most um, like high football IQ receivers we have in the room. I love picking his brain. I love talking to him just because I know that I'm going to learn uh, when I talk to him. Um, yeah, he's, he's one of my best friends in the room, best friends, best friends on the team. Uh, but the way he pushes the room and the way he's pushed the the uh, me and each one of each one of the guys in the receiver room has been impressive this this spring, especially. Um, he's not as much of a verbal leader, uh, but he leads by example, and and those ki- those guys are, are vital to to a team. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, nothing but good things to say about Steven. Uh, he's just going to keep getting better. He's going to be a, a big. He's going to play a big role um, in the receiver room and and in the in the offensive uh, pass game and run game during the season. So this, this is the kind of guy that you love to see kind of like rising to the top um, and coming to the best part of his game towards, you know, the last two years through, uh, of, of his career. So, um, yeah, most improved. He deserved it. I think everyone know, knew he was going to get it. Um, to, and that was, that's what, that's what you like to see out of a guy like that. Very consistent. Um, yeah. Love, love him. So obviously the talk of the fan base for the entire spring following the spring game has been the quarterback battle between mm-hmm. Grant Wells, Mr. Drones, and potentially Pop Watson. Um, certainly a competition that will carry into the fall. I want to ask you, what do you believe makes each quarterback unique, uh, and what did they improve upon most? Um, yeah, so obviously the big two uh, – Two guys at the top right now, Grant Wells and Chiron Drones. Um, the springs both of those guys had um, were super impressive, and they were, I would say, they're most definitely different. Obviously, Grant, starting quarterback last year, coming back, um, he knew the offense. He knew everything kind of going into spring, and, and Chiron uh, transferring in, um, you know, it was all new to him. So a little bit different for those two guys, but – uh, just start with Grant. I mean, Grant had a great spring, and everyone on the team knows that Grant can play. Um, there's no doubt, and I don't think anyone in the offensive unit's mind or anyone on the team uh, that Grant can 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 manage the game well and that he can make plays. Uh, and he showed that throughout the spring. He did a great job, uh, and it's what you what you like to see out of uh, your returning starter. So, um, I think you know, obviously, he's just going to continue to get better. Hopefully throughout the summer we'll, we'll increase our timing with all the quarterbacks but um definitely grant um and then chiron uh definitely a, a different a different story but had a great spring as well i think he he only got better throughout the spring which is what you want to see out of out of a dude transferring in like that um he really did get a lot better uh he started out um just trying to figure out, you can tell, just trying to figure out everything, trying to figure out the offense, trying to figure out timing with the receivers. Um, but what I love about Kyron is that's a dude who, who is not afraid of work. Um, and I love that about him. He, he's always willing to get into extra work, um, whether that's after practice or on off day. 
Uh, so I think that's going to help them a lot throughout the summer and then going into camp. Um, specifically on those two, like that, that's going to be a battle in fall camp. That's going to be fun to watch. Like I think everybody here is excited about both of them uh, and the potential that, that they both have. Um, and I trust both of them. I think the coaching staff uh, trusts both of them and is starting to, you know, trust uh, Kyron more as he's learning the offense and learning um, just the progression of everything. Um, but yeah, those, those two are going to compete in camp and it's going to be fun to watch. Um, and I think whoever we put out there uh, for coming first game, Old Dominion at home, uh, we're going to have full confidence in them. I think the fan base should, should do the same. Um, there's no reason they shouldn't. They're going to battle it out and whoever wins that job is, is going to deserve it. They're not going to give it to someone who doesn't deserve it. So um, yeah, I'm excited about that. It's going to be fun to watch. Uh, both those guys are coming along really well. And then yeah, Pop Watson, um, definitely a guy who, you know, is, is a flashy player. He makes, uh, he makes plays that, that are very impressive for sure. Just to watch, especially out of a freshman. Um, I think, you know, his overall development is going to be critical for um, him getting on the field and, and playing. Um, I think he's just going to keep getting better. Uh, and, you know, for a guy like that, it's all about development. And that's what uh, that's what we're really good at doing at Virginia Tech. And so, um, yeah, he's just going to get better and he's going to keep making plays. Uh, I think, you know, what, what you look for in a guy like that is just more consistent play, which is going to come. He's very young. Um, and we saw him make plays throughout the spring, but you just want more and more consistency out of a guy like that. And that comes with development. So uh, it's going to be cool to watch. All three of those guys are exciting. The quarterback room is exciting. Um, it's going to be fun to watch the, the competition that comes out of that room and, and every other room. So, yeah. So one of the big things, and I'll never forget, uh, Sam Rogers had this conversation with the team when spring was over. And we were just talking about it. Like spring is a grind. Like we talk about how hard summer camp is, but – Spring, the practices are pay, are parsed out, but you're also taking 15 credits. You're also have a million other responsibilities. So when spring's over, it's kind of like, oh, okay, we got to it. But what was the message from the coaching staff? What was the message from you guys? Because basically you're not going to spend a ton of time with your coaches. You're going to be spending a lot of time with the strength coaches, and it's basically going to be on y'all to yeah. spend time with each other. So what are your goals before you put the pads back on? What is going to be your focus mm-hmm. where you're not going to be spending time on the practice field with coaches, but it's got to be a lot of player led stuff. That's going to ultimately oh. determine a big reason, a big portion of what this team is going to be next year. For sure. Um, th- this summer is going to be massive for us. And specifically from a receiver standpoint, talking about that uh, competition and that, that battle between Kyron and Grant, um, the summer is going to be integral to that to that competition and to who is on the field come uh, that first game against Old Dominion. Um, I love the way that, like I said, Kyron puts in um, work and he's making the whole quarterback room better. Um, and so Grant's going to do the same thing. The summer is going to be really, really good for the quarterback room and the receiver room just because that's when we get uh, all of our timing um, and, and all of that type of stuff just to where it's clicking going into fall camp. And that's, that's what you want. Um, I know that we, as a receiver room, we got our goals and we have things that, that we've set in place where we're trying, uh, we're trying to get, you know, uh, as, as improved going into camp as we possibly can individually and collectively as a wide receiver room. 
Um, and I think that's going to that's gonna carry over into the quarterback room and the running back room and, and so forth. Uh, I know that I think everybody's ready to work and we know what we need to do. Um, I know like me personally, like I got to get a lot, a lot better. Um, and there's a lot of things that I need to work on to be able to really compete at the best of my ability and, and to be accountable on the field on Saturdays, um, come, come fall. So, um, yeah, I think the summer is going to be really good. I think we're going to, we're going to get a lot better throughout the summer. I know we're going to get a lot better throughout the summer. Uh, this summer is going to be even better than last summer. Each, what I love about uh, what I love about what I'm seeing so far from this team right now, and then going into the summer is um, like each each session we we call them phases. Uh, that's kind of Coach Price saying we go through five phases every year. So we have winter training, we have spring ball, and then we have summer training, fall camp, and then the season. So that's the five phases. And since that since the new coaching staff got here, like each phase has been better. This is by far. Um, this spring was way better than last year. Uh, and obviously, you know, you're installing everything like that, but the winter phase was better than last year's winter phase. And the spring phase was much better than last year's spring phase. Um, and so I expect the same thing out of the summer. The summer is going to be really good uh, as well as fall camp. And then we expect that to roll in the season. So uh, high expectations, but I think everybody's ready to work and, and it's going to be really good. Last couple for you. I want to ask you about the weekend itself that didn't have anything to do with football. So did you have a chance to attend the networking night? So I didn't, I didn't attend the networking night. Um, I had family coming in for, for the spring game weekend. So I spent time with my family. Um, but I heard a lot about it and I, you know, I have the intentions of going to, to the next one. Um, I love what, what they, what our people have done as far as, uh, using the networking nights. It's crazy. Like, um, how good and how profitable those have been for the rest of my teammates. I've talked to them about them and uh, it's, it's awesome what the program is doing as far as that goes. No, I mean, I talked to, I talked to Sean Glenn and he had the opportunity to go there. Um, Mm -hmm. And the one thing that he said was like, I can't believe how awesome it was. I wish that we had this when I was a player. Um, I guess, I guess to pivot off of that, what other type of non-football team building events did you guys do over the course of the spring um, that had nothing to do with X's and O's? Yep. That's, uh, that's what it's all about. So um, I think there's a lot of things we can focus on. We can focus on community service. Um, we have pretty much com- some type of community service provided every week where we're, we got the opportunity to get out in the community. You don't have to attend every one every week, but uh, each position group has to go to one and then you can go to as many as you want. Uh, we can talk about community service. We can talk about um, the team and the things that we do as groups, as position groups. Um, but what I want to talk about, like su- specifically, is we just started in the spring during spring ball, kind of mid spring ball. We started this thing called um, it's called like hard times, and uh, there's nothing hard or tough about it. It's uh, I, it's an acronym. I, I couldn't tell you exactly what it stands for because we just started it. Still memorizing that stuff. But um, so what it is pretty much is uh, as a as a position group, we usually go out, we eat once every. Uh, like section or, or um, like I said, uh, phase, like Coach Price phase. And we spend time together in the homes of our coaches and stuff like that. But what the hard times is, is it's an opportunity to split the team up. So they split the team up, um, not by position, not by uh, unit or anything like that. It's literally just random. So I've got corners, I've got defensive linemen, 
Um, I've got coaches on the defensive staff. Uh, like my uh, coach for it is Coach Marv, who's the defensive coordinator. Um, and it's an opportunity for us to go out and do things with people on the team and and build chemistry with dudes who we probably won't see that much and interact with uh, in our you know day to day basis going throughout. Uh, spring ball and, and summer ball and then fall camp. So um, just just getting that going, getting that started. We've already had uh, a few a few outings that we do. Um, so that could be just going to Coach Mars' house to eat. That could be going out bowling, going to watch a movie, um, anything. It's just an opportunity to get the guys together and bond. You know, uh, the stronger the team is and the stronger the, the brotherhood is between each player, like, that only makes you want to play for the guy across, you know, the, the other guy across from you during practice or like, um, you know, even harder and, and just be the best player you can because of uh, the dudes and the bond that you have on your team. I think I've even talked to dudes who have, who have, you know, graduated, they're gone, like talking to Isaiah, Isaiah, Isaiah Ford was here in the, in the spring and I spent a lot of time with him talking. I still talk to him uh, like on a week to week basis. And, one of the things like each guy, each guy that comes in who was on a great Virginia Tech team and, and they talk about what made what made it special, they always talk about the brotherhood. Like every time you can you can always bank on them talking about the brother the brotherhood. That's probably the first thing that they're gonna mention. And so like that's what we're working on and that's what uh, hard times is for and that's what it's um, that's what it's kind of building is that brotherhood um, and I love it. It's been great so far. I'm getting to know guys that I like. I I wouldn't know well past just playing football and X's and O's if it wasn't for um, them making these groups. So um, that's specifically like something that I love talking about. We haven't even been doing it for long, but I've loved it so far. I'm getting to know Coach Marv and his family, uh, getting to know um, defensive players um, and, and dudes who just I don't really interact on a day-to-day basis with, uh, in the facility. Uh, and so that's been great. I'm loving that. And I think that's going to only make us better when we, when we, when it comes to playing on the field. No, it's very easy to become fractured by the position group that you see. Um, and I'll never, one of the funniest things that ever happened was coach Leffler was trying to instill this in us and we didn't have any events. We didn't have anything else. He just got up there one time and he was like, we need guys like Sam Rogers, to hang out with Dion Clark. Yeah, yeah. Chris Durkin to hang out with, with Dion Newsom. And in the moment, like, it was, it was really funny, but that's truly, truly, truly oh. does make special teams. And I think back to that 2016 God. team, it was like everybody was doing everything together. And it wasn't like the, hey, the O-line is over here doing this, mm-hmm. the wide receiver group is over here doing this. Like, it was all sorts of cross-collaboration and um, talking to each other. Because when you're coming off the field – most of the time during a, during a game, if the only interaction you're having with your teammate is in the facility and when you're high five, yeah. when you're coming off the field, that's not really what a team is. That's just everybody kind yeah. of. Exactly. Exactly. Um, wow. So you mentioned Isaiah Ford. I remember he did mention he was going up there. I know he spent a few days up there. He was super excited and, and, and loved his time. Are there any other uh, Hokie alumni, whether they played football or um, donors or business people yeah. that you were able to meet over the course of spring weekend? Yeah, um, I would say it's it's crazy. Like Hokie Nation is a special thing, and if you were at the spring game, like, or you were you were here for any part of the weekend, I think you like you understand that. And and each 
like each spring game that I've been here, I've been here for two now. Uh, you see like what Hokie Nation is about. I remember like vividly uh, Saturday, I was, I was standing on the sideline and it was when uh, the girls basketball team was out and, um, and the fans just like went crazy. Nice. And I was like, it was insane. However, I don't know how many people were there, but it was crazy. It was so loud and it felt like a normal, like a normal game. That's how loud it was. Um, but what's cool about that is like, yeah, they went crazy for the basketball team, but like every single one of those fans was out there for like just to support us on, in the spring game. You know what I'm saying? And, um, and it's just cool. Like to see the support that Hokie nation brings. And that's not only something with the fan base, but like, that's something that the alumni, um, have a huge role in. Um, I would say like the two guys that I stay in contact with the most, uh, it definitely Isaiah Ford, like that's number one for me. Um, and he's, he's taught me so much about the game. Uh, I, I love talking to him. It's been great. And then Eddie Royal, like dudes like that who, who play my position and who, um, who love like Hokie nation and love the football team. Like a lot of schools, a lot of places, you don't, you don't find guys like that coming back and trying to invest, especially when, um, you know, like we're not winning like they were like, that's the, like, that's what we're working towards. That's what we're going to get to. But when it's, when times are tough and when, and when, you, you know, you're struggling per se, like that's where a lot of fan bases, they kind of like shut down. And that's, that's the opposite of what, of what Hokie Nation has done and more like specifically what the alumni have done. Um, like there's, there's no real reason that, um, that like I, I do like Isaiah Ford should really come back and like want to invest time, like his time, like he's got things he's got to do. He's, he's working, he's playing in the league. Like he's, he's working on a, on a, on a, uh, you know, another contract, stuff like that. And so, like to see dudes like that come back and want to invest because like they genuinely care, not because they're getting any, like he didn't get anything out of that. You know what I'm saying? Um, but like he wants us to be better. He wants me to be better. Um, and it, it's about just like Pokey nation. Like it's about um, the, the, the fan base and the community and uh, just our team and, and what it means to be uh, Virginia tech Pokey. But it was just cool. Like, I remember seeing seeing all the fans on Saturday and I turned to I turned to like two other people and I was like, this this makes me proud to be a Hokie like this type of community. You don't find that anywhere else. Um, This makes me proud to be a Hokie. So it was just awesome to see. Um, And it's, you know, everything that people talk about when they talk about Virginia Tech. And uh, there's a lot of pride in that. So I take a lot of pride in being being here. Absolutely. And everybody's behind you. We're really looking forward to it. I'm excited. I'm excited for you guys to get after it this summer. Cannot wait for this fall. Tucker, really appreciate your time and um, enjoy the rest of your semester. And we're looking forward to seeing you on the field. Thank you. What's up, sons and daughters? And good morning. It is Sam Jesse, and I am here with a Virginia Tech sports icon voice, one one of the voices of the Hokies and longtime friend, Evan Hughes. Evan, thank you for hopping on this morning talking some tech baseball. Sam, great to be with you. I love the longtime friend because that is very true. Been on mission trips together. We've known each other for like 10 years now, and it's great to be back with you. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, and that number keeps on keeps on rising. It is crazy. Uh back from you know playing volleyball against each other, Gaten Baptist uh in Short Pump, Virginia. Whole lot of fun. Well, Evan. 
We're going to talk Hokies baseball overall positive things to talk about. So let's kind of wrap everything up right now. The Hokies are 21 and 13 overall on the season, eight and nine in the ACC. They are unranked nationally, a bit of a drop in the RPI due to last night's game, which we'll get into. They're currently sitting at number 42 in the RPI. They are three and six against the top 25. That includes UVA, Miami, and Boston College. Four and one against numbers 26 through 50. Very good record there against Duke and Charlotte. Six and four against 51 through 100. That includes Liberty, Georgia Tech, College of Charleston, and Pittsburgh. Four and one against teams 101 through 200. That includes Bryant and VMI. And then four and one versus the rest. That includes UMass Lowell. Eastern Tennessee, East Tennessee State, and Radford. We'll talk about Radford here in a bit. But overall, Evan, you've been, you've seen every pitch. Obviously, it's your job. You're the you're the radio voice of Hokies baseball. Overall, this season, as we sit on April nineteenth, what are your thoughts on this Hokies team? Well, I, I think that the coaching staff's done a tremendous job of bringing in a lot of really good talent to replace one of the greatest rosters in the history of the program, right? Starting with the freshman class, like this freshman class, I think has a chance to be incredibly impactful. Whether you look on the pitching side from Andrew Sentlinger to Tommy Sapansky to Griffin Stig um, to, you know, a couple of freshman arms that stand out there to Brody Done, Henry Cook, uh, Garrett Michelle, Clay Grady, right? You've got a lot of freshmen that have played significant innings this year and done so at a high rate, right? Michelle, somebody who's hitting above 330. Uh, Done's kind of turned into the starting catcher. Clay Grady, I think, is really fun to watch, hitting above, I think, 305 on the year. And then I think the transfer portal additions, right? Chris Canizero has fit right in on day one and, and just been a great fit both in the locker room and on the field. Um, even if David Bryant, somebody who's starting to find his stride hitting two home runs on Sunday against Georgia tech had a nice day despite the loss um, at the plate against Radford. So to me, um, and then Anthony Arguez, I, I don't want to forget about him either. I think that that's a name we're not talking enough about the job that he has done going from being a reliever at Miami transitioning into a starting role. I think he has done really well as of late. So I, I think this team has a ton of talent on it and they're starting to put it all together. Sam, one of my favorite things I tell people about college baseball, I learned a lot in year one last year about the sport. And in the middle of March last year, Oklahoma was 18 and 14 coming off of a series loss to New Orleans. And Ole Miss was the last team in the NCAA tournament. And that was your national championship game. When you peak and when you start to play your best baseball matters. Who is hot going in to May and early June? And I think this Hokie team, uh, despite a tough loss to Radford, it was won six of their last seven ACC games, are starting to peak and put it all together at a critical point in the season. Yeah, and you know we talk about the additions that they brought in for the freshmen and in the transfer portal. If you look, I think at least my worry was, okay, I know we're going to have Demartini. I know we're going to have Hurley. I know we got some other guys coming up, but one through nine in a lineup every day, are they going to be able to hit even remotely like they were last year? Because we knew, again, coming in, Hackenberg's good. Griffin Green is proven. We got some deep, deep bullpen. 
But Virginia Tech is not going to hold teams to two or three runs a game. It's just, it's not the nature of college baseball one, but it's not the nature of this roster. Virginia Tech is hitting, well, over 300, hitting 309 on the year. That's fourth in the ACC, uh, tied for Louisville, tied with Louisville, excuse me, for fourth in the ACC. Um, Two of the teams ahead of them, Virginia and Georgia Tech, they're five and one against on this season, and they just swept Georgia Tech. So, when you're looking at how they kind of revamped this roster, it wasn't a rebuild by any means. It was a new influx of talent, get people in the culture, get people, you know, you don't talk about playing the system as much in baseball, but get people playing with the same sort of energy, especially offensively. And you're going to see similar results. I don't think we can ever expect an offense like we saw last year, but seeing them produce especially the young guys is so impressive i am a i think clay grady has been incredible garrett michelle has been consistent brody done i think is physically one of the more promising players virginia tech has had in a very long time i think he's gotten so much better defensively as a catcher when he first couple games defensively as a catcher you're like oh this guy's a career dh like this is not going to go well and then he started to do better and better and better so great to see the influx of talent i think you're seeing that team grow and you're seeing that in the record let's go ahead and look at the games that have happened since our last podcast the Hokies had a two-game series at the duke blue devils and a bit unfortunate for the Hokies. there's a lot of rain here in the raleigh durham area that weekend Hokies first game Played a played a, a doubleheader on Saturday, I believe it was. A one to three loss. A three run second for Duke. Hokie struggled, only had two hits, could only muster four walks, struck out 13 times. That's this Duke series. I think when we look back, it's not going to be a oh man, tech didn't play well. It's going to be missed opportunity because I think this is a series that tech could have won. And that first game. You don't want to say the word sleepwalking, but there was a little bit of, it was a little bit lackadaisical from the Hokies. I think it looked like a rescheduled doubleheader game, similar to what we saw against Boston College earlier in the season. Well, I mean, it's Sam, listen, that was a tough week in terms of there was no midweek and you're sitting in a hotel Friday night. You know, they did get a chance to go hit BP or excuse me, go to the cages on Friday night and Saturday, but that was a long long weekend of just sitting and waiting and listen i mean listen it's not an ex- it's not an excuse but when you haven't played a game in a week in college baseball sunday to sunday because that's when that doubleheader was um on easter sunday it i, I think it took the offense uh, a, a, a a game to get it going because the pitching was outstanding and griffin went five and two, almost went six innings, 100 pitches in the start. And then Weicker finished things up, used two pitchers. It just, you know, again, and, and Coach talked about it. Like, there are some sports where rest is a good thing, right? Like, if you gave Coach Brooks a week off in February, uh, it would be a really good thing for women's basketball or even uh, men's basketball. Baseball, it's not a great thing. That's so the midweek games ser- serve such a purpose of getting guys reps, of seeing live pitching, and when you don't have that and then you're sitting around all day Friday and Saturday, it it takes you out of rhythm a little bit. And so I think you saw that, and then you saw a much better approach in game two. And um, to your point, I would have loved to have seen a game three because I think that 
the way that Tech was pitching in those two games, giving up, what, a combined uh, four runs in two games, I think they would have had a really good chance to win game three, especially considering the fact they used two bullpen arms in two games. They would have been really well-rested going into that series finale. Yeah, let's talk about that second game. It was a 5-2 to two win for the Hokies. Offense played a bit better, not maybe where we wanted them to play, but played a little bit better. Definitely Carson Demartini was a huge catalyst in that game. He went two for four, had two ribbies, and crossed the plate twice. Drew Hackenberg, like you said, this was the Drew Hackenberg game. Eight innings pitched, two hits, zero earned runs, 11 Ks to only two walks, through 114 pitches i think considering that duke is a bubble fringe tournament team maybe the best performance we've seen from drew hackenberg as a hokey that was a very dominant eight innings of work it was i mean i i, th- I think that he went eight innings against miami last year when they were number two and i put that start right up there with that one at home uh, to me, Duke is a tournament team. They just took two of three from a top 15 team at Boston College on the road this weekend. I, I really like Duke, and I think they've got really good bats. And I thought Drew was spectacular. Um, he, well, first of all, was commanding all of his pitches, getting a ton of mi- uh, swing and miss on his slider, which is his go-to swing and miss pitch. Um, like you said, only two walks and really just stifled that Duke offense that – you know, I'm sure was feeling pretty good with the 3-1 win and a chance to sweep at home and get a doubleheader. Uh, but that that was great to see. And I think for Drew, after a, a tough outing against Virginia, for him to bounce back um, and, you know, have to wait, right? You know, typically used to throw it on Saturday. And for Griffin, used to throw it on Friday, right? Having us play that Sunday game. Um, he was outstanding. And as we foreshadow here for a second, the good thing was, he was able to build on that and keep that momentum going into Georgia Tech. Yeah, and I think if you were to put a bow on the Duke series, it would be – it felt very survive in advance for the Hokies, right? You're in a position now where you need to be winning series. And you had the rain. You're going up against a tough team. I think that's a – that's a tough environment. That's a similar baseball environment to like what Boston College is for basketball, where it's a very it's a smaller stadium surrounding the field. There's not a lot of noise. There's not a lot of hype around it. You kind of have to create your own energy, which is something Virginia Tech is very good at doing as a team. But with the rain out, with the weather, that's a tough place to split two games. Like that was we were looking at an 0-2 loss that weekend and being in a huge hole when it comes to the tournament resume, but getting a win there against a team that's now top 30 in the RPI. Yeah. That's a really good weekend. And I think, you know, if you were to ask coach chef, is, is that a win or a loss weekend? He'd say it's a win. And so survive in advance sometimes in this sport, we'll move on to the midweek against Liberty. And, I, I, this is, I'll take the, this is partially my fault because on the last show, I was talking about how Virginia Tech was crushing midweeks. They were doing their job. Other programs in college baseball weren't. And the Hokies have run 0 and 2 in midweeks since then. 77 to 3 loss to Liberty. Hokies struggled offensively a bit. Umberger had an opener role and couldn't, couldn't get the ball rolling really for the pitching staff. It was a tough one to draw tough 
it's a tough game to drop, but it's not a killer by any means. Um, first off, I'll say this. If you are new to the sport of, of college baseball or if you're thinking about it like college basketball, these midweek games aren't considered too much when it comes to the tournament. And here's why. One, it's just one baseball game. It's a round bat and a round ball. Anything can happen. Number two, coaches, especially at the bigger programs, are using this game as a let's throw freshman pitchers. Let's mix around our lineup. Let's play guys at maybe different positions. You don't have that many scholarships in college baseball. You can't have too deep at every position, so you have to move guys around. Sometimes you're throwing pitchers that are on partial scholarship. Sometimes you're sitting your two, three best fielders to prevent injury. So the committee does a good job of kind of pushing these to the side, contextualizing them a bit. If you lose too many of them, it's a problem. If you win all of them, it's a good thing. Dropping one or two here and there is it's part of the sport. Last night, LSU, number one team in the country, they lost their midweek to Louisiana Lafayette, I believe. Um, Tennessee lost theirs to Tennessee Tech. Vanderbilt lost to Indiana State. So these things happen. And um, for the Hokies, you you got to just brush it off and move on, right? You don't really have another option. Well, yeah, listen, the loss to Liberty, I mean, that's a team that's made a regional each of the last two years, the preseason favorites in the ace sun, off to a little bit of a slow start. But listen, their pitching staff's terrific. And I think it's well documented. Everybody knows the facilities they have at Liberty and the coaching staff they have, right? That is like, an, as Coach Chef told me before that game, that is like playing an ACC school in the midweek. I mean, they had arms throwing 93 to 95. And that is sometimes better than what you get in ACC series. So to me, Liberty, those two midweeks are really good tests in um, that you can have on your resume. And like that, yeah, that's a team that went down to the Gainesville Regional last year, ended up losing to Oklahoma, ironically, before they came to Blacksburg. So, you know, the way that Scott Jackson runs his program, you know, I know Coach Chef really has a ton of respect for him. They play each other in the fall. They enjoy playing each other uh, two games in uh, in the spring season. So, yeah, and, and that one, my, my big takeaway from that game was that the pitching continued to excel. Outside of a four-run seventh inning in that Liberty game, and yes, Umberger got off to a little bit of a tough start in the opener role, but you know, to to me, it was about the pitching and that they threw five scoreless frames and um, that Sentlinger looked really good going two innings out of the bank. Kiernan Higgins retired all seven batters that he faced, and you know, the offense just again struggled to get timely hittings, uh, timely hits, and you know, they fell a midweek game to Liberty. Would you love to have that one? Yes. Is that um, a quality team that I think can still get hot, turn it around, and win what is a wildly competitive A-Sun conference with Florida Gulf Coast having been in the top 25, Southern Miss. Um, uh, there's another team, uh, Kennesaw State, who won the A-Sun mm-hmm. two-bid league last year, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So um, just one, one of those days where you just you got good pitching, you had one bad inning, and, and the offense just struggled to, to, to get it going there at home. Well, let's talk about a series where the offense didn't struggle to get it going. The Hokies hosted Georgia Tech on spring game weekend, and it was a 3 nothing sweep. A massive 3 nothing sweep. The Hokies needed that sweep. They got it. So the first game was, again, the poor Hokies, man. 
it seems like it rains on these guys all the time. It was a 10 to seven win. I don't think the game was ever that close. The Hokies kind of dominated, but there was three rain delays in this game. Two other delays, and one of the scariest things I've ever seen in a sporting event. Oh, yeah, yeah. Carson Jones fouled a ball off our home plate umpire, Dave Soucy, and he fell right on his back. And very, 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 very scary scene. And that was just after coming out of the first weather delay. So it took five and a half hours to get the game in. They moved it up. And to your point on the weather, I want to point this out, that in three ACC series this year of the, what, six they've played, Tex had to play a doubleheader. It is hard to win two games in a doubleheader, and I don't care who you are. It's hard to win two straight in a doubleheader. So um, while Tech didn't have to do that this weekend, to me that is something that will get forgotten about in this weekend series is the fact that Anthony Arguez came out of a weather delay in which he hadn't pitched in over 60 minutes and looked good. That Tech was – I mean, listen, that's a game, especially when they had a, they had a three-run homer, Georgia Tech, not to get out of ourselves, Sam – and they made it an 8-6 game, I believe. And Tech, to your point, it had not been close all day. But just right at the end, it's like, man, here comes Georgia Tech, and then they're able to hold them off and uh, and, and hang on to win. Uh, so, but anyways, that was a wild – I remember just sitting there just broadcasting, like, this is one of the craziest days I've ever had at the park. You always see something new every time you go to a ballpark, right? I think that's a really big win. Kind of the Hokies beat the weather in that game. Offense got back to like producing, right? Not just getting guys on base, but producing. And I also think that was a game where Virginia Tech's pitching staff handled the delays, handled all of that much better than Georgia Tech did, which we saw in the other game. So game two, dominant 13 to one win, over 3,000 in attendance for that game. It was an incredible, incredible atmosphere there. Right after the spring spring game, people came in. I saw a ton of students there. Um, I, it was standing room only. I got there at about you know midway through the second inning, and it was standing room only. It was even standing room for the scouts. I was next to an Oakland A's scout. He was like, "I can't find a seat," <laughs> and you know that's just so so awesome for the program to be able to have that sort of energy surrounding it. Even I know like there's more people in town for the spring game, but to see fans all the way down that all the way down the grass on the left field side, to see people standing at the fence on the first base, uh, you know, kids at that hill on the outfield trying to get a peek of the game, standing room only everywhere else. One of those, you know, picture perfect moments for the Hokies. And they backed it up with a really Really dominant win. They did, and the crowd was incredible. You know, last year there were over three thousand fans on uh, the spring game weekend for that uh, that two uh, the second game of the series, just as it was this weekend against Georgia Tech. And I know Coach Chef and the entire program is so appreciative of Hokie fans coming out. No, it was a long day from the remember run in the morning to the spring game in the afternoon, the baseball game at night. And, you know, he has said it well, too. We want to make that the norm, though, right? Not just special. We want to make that what is a regular season crown. And, you know, Coach Brooks has always said that Hokie Nation can make a good team great. And I'll, I'll use that line for any sport, whether it's Coach Demore over at softball or Coach Chef here at baseball, whatever it may be, Hokie fans come to impact a game. And they did that. And uh, the, the story of game two, number one, uh, I thought that Tech's plate discipline – 
outstanding. They set a new single-game program record, which, by the way, Tech Baseball has been around since the late 1800s. We have stats that go back to the late 1800s, and that's a new single-game program record, 18 walks drawn, only seven hits. That's over to an inning. Three hit by pitching. Yep, and – you know, it can. You know, uh, um, Christian Martin tied the single game record, five walks drawn. I mean, it can be tough as a hitter to come up there and know you want to hit, but to have the 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 strength to hold off and just take what you're getting, and then eventually leave it to guys like Jack Hurley who had a three run homer, Carson Jones a solo homer. Like, take your moments and, and capitalize with runners on base. That's what they did. And then the other part of that, Griffin Green, his best start. Um, the year he looked really good. So um, let's talk about that Carson Jones solo shot. I did. Was the light show had that happened before this year? And I this just is, new, new this year, and that was the first time really a big crowd got to see it. Uh, so okay. that was really cool. Yeah, that was that was awesome. Um, if you haven't seen it, look at the the highlights. We got a, the lights flickering during the Carson Jones home run. It was awesome. Uh, I think even better that that's a solo shot and you just, you just get to see him running the bases a uh, really awesome moment for a player that I can, I can tell you from deep a run. Couple of scouts I've talked to oh, first off deep run high school legend. Um, That's a guy who has gotten better and better. He got better his freshman year, then played summer ball, got better, got better his sophomore year, played summer ball, got better. Now he's here. He is, a prospect in the right field for the MLB draft. And everyone's talking about yeah. Martini. People are talking about Hurley. Carson Jones is a total package player. Really exciting to see his development. Again, crowd was awesome. Griffin Green was awesome. He had five and a third innings pitched, only three hits, one earned run, one walk, seven Ks. Did, however, leave with what looked to be a pretty nasty injury. And I noticed in warmups for that inning, he kind of grimaced a bit. He told told the ump two more, threw one, grimaced a bit, said, nah, I'm good. They threw down to second. And then kind of dirty ball, some fast, spiked some fastball short. And I think on one of them, you could tell his arm just went. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to break any injury news, Evan, but it looked to be, hey, we need to, we need to do some tests. We need to see what's going on there. Well, I, I don't have anything, first off. Um, you know, I, I don't want to speculate on anything. No. All I want to say is this, though. To me, Griffin Green does not get enough credit, I think, on how really good he is, right? And listen, he is a he's a ground ball pitcher. He's going to let his defense make plays behind him. He doesn't have a vi- high volume of strikeouts. But I think one thing that the fans – sometimes you know miss about Griffin is he is a stud in the locker room and guys love pitching behind Griffin Green and backing him up he is one of the best personalities I've ever been around in baseball five different teams that I've worked with over five years he is a special kid and as coach chef told me on Sunday you don't get to coach many kids like Griffin Green out there. He was telling me one day when his baseball days are over, he could be the the the, uh, the governor of Massachusetts. He is that special. And, you know, seeing seeing him leave with an injury, just, you know, you never want to see that for anybody. But it just – it stinks because he was starting. Um, and, again, I, I hope that he's able to, to come back because, again, I, I don't know anything. I really don't. 
But yeah. I really hope he's going to be okay because um, and and he is just a to me he's a huge part of this team. He was a huge part of last year, all ACC third team, and the job that he does in that weekend that that Friday opening role, he just kind of sets the tone and then turns it over to Hackenberg, who really enjoys being in a role where it's either you win a series or you're tying it with him on the bus. It, it's been a great thing, and so I just wanted to give him um, some credit because to me. Griffin grinds when he's on the mound. He might walk a couple guys. He might put some runners on, but nobody battles through runners on base and works through tough spots better than Griffin. I think the world of him, and I just think that Hokie fans should be so uh, – understand how lucky they are to have somebody like him in the program. And um, anyways, just uh, it was it was one of his best starts of his career. He was dealing. He was absolutely shoving, and he was doing it in a way, like you said, he is a ground ball pitcher. He was doing it, but he was getting strikeouts. He had movement on his pitches. I think he was hitting – he was a bit more in that mid-90s range than right. the low-90s range a bit there, so he was really feeling the velo as well. Really good stuff from him, and we hope he can come back this year. Um, we'll, we'll keep you updated. Game three, I think, like you said, though, he's good at just kind of grinding through innings. That's what we saw from Drew Hackenberg in game three, a nine to two win. Drew Hackenberg pitched well. And I think in some of Drew's tougher outings this year, it's been he's kind of fallen apart early in games and then pushed his way through towards the end. And in this game, playing against the ACC leaders in batting average in Georgia Tech, they're hitting about 327 this year. Right. Drew Hackenberg's like, all right, I'll give you one single, but I'm going to get everybody else out. I'm yeah, give and, a and out. Don't break. Yes. And defense behind him was phenomenal. I thought he pitched really well in what seemed to be kind of a tough strike zone that day as well. And look, that's a that's a heck of a way to close a series. Consistent offensively for the Hokies throughout that game. Jack Hurley hit another home run that's a it's now um at that time it was 11 of 13 11 home runs in 13 games back-to-back homers by garrett michelle and Brody donay which was an awesome moment and then david bryant yeah two home two two run home runs almost carbon copies of each other i think they landed within four feet yeah. of each other so just an awesome day for the Hokies to you know close out that series give me some thoughts on that series overall yeah i mean overall i mean huge right tech had not won a series against georgia tech since 2010 that has been a team that has been tough to beat i mean last year you know, walked off on twice in atlanta and swept to open ac play before rattling off nine straight acc series wins danny hall's the active wins leader amongst division one coaches i mean they're kind of a staple in the acc right mark to Kevin Parada last year, the 11th overall pick to the. I mean, it's a really good program. And, they, uh, you know, they've got some injuries to their pitching staff, and that showed this weekend. But it's a really good ball club. And it is – I don't care who you play in the ACC. A league that might get nine or ten teams in the tournament, that is a really good ball club at Georgia Tech. Their offense is outstanding. So, for me, the fact the pitching staff gave up three runs over the final 18 innings. Brady Kirtner went Friday and Sunday, came into – I think the toughest spot any tech pitcher has been thrown into this past Friday when he came in with bases loaded and no outs, a 2-0 count already 
on the leadoff hitter Christian Campbell, who's hitting over 450 for Georgia Tech. And one run scored unearned on a ground ball that DeMartini, I think, would love to have back at third. Then Kurtner coming back on Sunday. I mean, he's leading the team in appearances. I'm getting ready to interview for my podcast later. Brady Kurtner's a stud. I mean, to put it point blank, dude's yes. a stud. Yes, and he has been such a a a needed stud in the bullpen. You need like Tech has depth, but they don't really have star power. He's the guy who you can kind of bring in to, you know, save the day sometimes, right? I thought it was a phenomenal series. I thought it get, got the fans back into this season. I thought it re-energized this program. I think we saw that's the most complete weekend of baseball the Hokies have played this season. And considering that you're playing what was a team hitting, they're still leading the ACC in hitting, and you hold them to 10 runs on the weekend, yeah. that's a really good job by this pitching staff and a great job by this defense. And I think it's one of those series that, not only does it get the vibes good in the locker room, but it puts Virginia Tech in a better position when it comes to the, the NCAA tournament. You know, like John Rothstein says for basketball, they're in position to be in position now. So a lot of baseball left, a lot of big opportunities left, but this was definitely one of those series that can start a bit more of a run for the Hokies. Let's, uh, let's before we wrap up everything, Let's talk about last night. The Hokies played the Radford Highlanders, who had lost, I believe, 21 or 22 straight, 22 straight games. A lot of issues going on in that program right now. They traveled 20 minutes south to play Radford. Um, I yikes. Just just a gross yikes game. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Obviously, not the result you want. First of all, credit credit to Radford, right? Like yep, that of course. team has gone through a lot this year, and I think you have to credit them. This is a game that they get up for every year. Get Virginia Tech at home; it's one of the marquee home games. Hadn't won a game in over a month, and they hit the ball hard. And they played a really. And I don't want to take anything away from 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 Radford here. They they earned that win. I mean, they put up the most runs against Virginia Tech in a single game. Uh, in a series that started in 89 and there have been 68 games. I mean, they they put the ball and they pitched really well down the stretch, right? I think for Tech, it was just such an uh, – to, to put it bluntly, I, I think there are just some days where it's just not your day. And it was not Tech's day yesterday at the park. And this is a team that came in with the number one fielding percentage in America yesterday. Right, I think they had six errors as a team going into yesterday. Their defense has been superb. And I've talked to Coach about that multiple times over the last couple of weeks, how he feels that the defense has kept Tech in games because of how they backed up the pitching staff. And yesterday, seven errors in five innings is just incredible. And it's, it's to me, it's super uncharacteristic of what is a really talented defense. And, and that's the thing, baseball, I, I, Sam, I go, I go back to something you said earlier. Like, it's a bat and a ball. Anything can happen. And just it was a weird day at the park yesterday for Tech. I mean, they put up, what, six runs in the first three innings. The offense was going, but Radford had that seven-run third. And you credit Radford. I mean, there are they threw some of their best arms at Tech, and the, um, the Hokies just couldn't get anything on the, on the scoreboard down the stretch. So I don't really have much more than just it. 
you know, it just was one of those days. And but here's here's the good news, right? It is a non-conference midweek game. Mm-hmm. Does the RPI come down a little bit? Sure. Are there going to be a lot of opportunities here down the stretch to elevate that RPI back in the top 30? Yes. You've got North Carolina. You go on the road to one of the, I think, the best team in the country right now in Wake Forest. You've got plenty of opportunities. You still have won six of your last seven in conference play. So to me, is it a bummer? Yes. Is it the end of the world? No. You've got so much baseball in front of you. And to me, this is just one game. And the wonderful thing about this tremendous sport that we love so much, they get to do it again in 48 hours and put it behind them. Yeah. And I, you know, I think that's all you got to do, right? Is you got to flush it down the toilet. You move on. It's, it's a weird game. Virginia Tech still leads the ACC in fielding percentage. They're still, I haven't checked the national stats, but I'm going to guess they're still up there in the top two or three in the country in fielding percentage. You're going to move on, right? You're going to learn from it and you're going to move on because Hokies have a big series coming up this weekend. Let's wrap up the last couple of weeks of ACC action with three things that we loved real quick. I'll go awesome home sweep of the yellow jackets. Yeah. Love that. The crowd was amazing. First time in program history, you sweep the yellow jackets. Number two starters went deep into games. That was huge, yep. huge that the starters could go. They could get some out outs, eat up some innings, help the momentum of the team a bit. And third, their survive in advance series against Duke, you know, go one and one survive the weather delay. Pitch really well. Best we've seen from Hackenberg this year. Love that. And Hokies won that game in a way that they don't win a lot of games with really good pitching and not a ton of offense. Something that needs to improve. Third straight podcast, I'll say it. Strikeout rate. A little bit high for the Hokies. Currently sitting at about 25% on the season. Um, it's. I think it's the one hindrance of this team right now is striking out, especially with runners in scoring position. I think a lot of that has to do with how many young bats there are on this lineup. I, I also think it has to do with a lot of the bats you have on here are guys who want to hit home runs, right? You have Martini, you have Hurley, you have Jones. Those are guys who are power hitters. Something It, it needs to go down. I think if the Hokies is going to do anything in the NCAA tournament or ACC tournament, it's going to be because they really limit those strikeouts and get those down. Getting those down, I think you'll see the wins come up. And player of the week, whatever, just player of the season right now. I mean, I don't know if Barry Bonds ever did 11 home runs in 14 games. Ah. I tried to look it up. Um, It is, we're getting to like historic with Jack Hurley, right? Like if he hits one, let's say he hits two in the next three. We're getting to like historic numbers for him. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and Coach Coach said it best on Sunday when I asked him about Jack. Nothing he does surprises anybody, right? Like, that dude does so much for a team from energy to – like, he can flip momentum and one swing of a bat and get a crowd behind him. Um, he's a great guy. I mean, just there's just so many great things uh, about Jack right now. So – I'll, I'll agree with that. Can I add three things I like? Can I throw that in there real oh, of quick? Course. Of course. Number one, Carson Jones over the last three weeks in the leadoff spot in this mm-hmm. lineup has been outstanding. He had a 685 on base percentage over his last 19 at-bats going into the Georgia Tech series, and I'm sure it is higher after that past weekend. Tech has used 
David Bryant. They've tried Christian Martin. They've tried a couple of different players in that leadoff spot. And Carson, somebody who's never led off before in his career, is doing a – I'm talking travel, high school, wherever. He's doing a great job in the leadoff spot. Number two, Christian Martin, four hits last night against Radford, had five walks drawn on Saturday against uh, Georgia Tech. Listen, he might not put up the flashy numbers, but he has taken a huge step forward in year two. I've been really impressed with his offense and his defense. And then uh, number three, I didn't get this far ahead. Those were two that I really wanted to get out there quickly. Um, I'll just go the fact that, again, I think Anthony Arguez is really starting to come. I don't know you know, if he's going to be able to go six, seven innings every start, but listen, if he can go out there and give you four and a half, five solid innings in a start, turn it over to a guy like Weicker that could go multiple innings or Kurtner, he, he's doing his job, and he looks really good. He's been a great fit. Really impressed with what I've, what I've seen from Arguez as of late. Well, Evan, uh, you, you admitted to me hadn't done your Florida State homework quite yet. I'm sure you will, and you'll know that program forwards and backwards by the time you travel down to Tallahassee. Florida State, a historic program, one of the best in the country. Tough year for the Seminoles. Yeah. They're sitting at 13 and 22, 4 and 14 in the ACC. However, number 73 in the RPI is a bit higher than I thought it would be, but that's what D1 baseball has. I think similar to the Georgia Tech series, although they're having a bit of a down year, an opportunity for the Hokies to get some wins on the road and get it against a historically good program would always yeah. be nice. Listen, that's a tough place to win. Dick Hauser yeah. Stadium down there. That is a fan base that loves its baseball and might be the storied program in all of college baseball when you look back over 40 and 50 years. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. I mean, Link Jarrett, obviously one of the elite coaches, did wonders at Notre Dame, an alum coming back to his alma mater. So I'm really looking forward to, to going down there. And listen, I think you're going to see a very, very fired up tech squad to try and Put what happened behind them on Tuesday in Radford. Uh, because, again, as I said, even despite that loss, listen, this team is playing some of its best baseball of the season right now. You've got everything in front. And if you can come out of there with a series win, Sam, you got North Carolina next weekend in Blacksburg. And all of us, if you take two of three this weekend, too, it at least gets you back to 500. Mm-hmm. In ACC play, you sweep, you're above 500. And if you can stay above 500 in the ACC, Good things are going to happen to you. So looking forward to it. Yep. I cannot wait. It'll be an exciting game to watch. Safe travels as always, Evan. And best of luck. I know you are a very, very busy guy there in Blacksburg. So uh, thank, thank you. you. Yeah, thank, thank you for having you so me, my friend. Appreciate you. Hopefully we can have you on again before the season ends. And um, yeah, let's see how this weekend goes. Would love some wins. Me too. Go Hokies. Thanks, Sam. Go Hokies. To wander, tripping in the sand. We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand. But I saw you dance like you want to in my head. Love, she said, it is. Oh, I know just what you're thinking. Please don't go to sleep Trash your friend's place. Wake up the next day. to you.